The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, Ed Meyer. And good evening and welcome to Winning Ponies. I'm Ed Meyer, and we're pleased to have you here on board with us as we talk about the sport of kings. Each and every Thursday, p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, up here on the East Coast, man, get a shovel. Dig yourself out or get an igloo. Looks like they are getting slam hammered. Another weekend in the books. And we are, uh, what, about nine weeks closer to May 1st. It's getting closer with every breath you take. Winning Pony is going to be there to guide you all the way. You know, I was taking a look at something you know, we haven't talked about in a while. That's testimonials. First off, if you go to the site, you shoot out a little testimonial, how you're doing, what you like, success you're having. Everybody likes to talk about how good they're doing, and we like to hear it because that is our direct feedback. For your testimonial, you get a good-looking hat and a shirt. And I have to say, it is a good-looking lid. It can even make my head look good. Now, if they can do that, they can do wonders, and all you have to do is just shoot us a testimonial and let us know how you're doing with the product. Give us a little feedback. Let me shoot you a couple here. Michael S. from Brighton, Massachusetts. Talks about first race of the service. Suffolk is his home track, he said. That's where he called home for years, rarely plays supers, but threw one down on a suggestion, a prediction. Just takes on 93 bucks for a very small bet. It's not bad at all. Michael S., he's in the house now. He's on there. Take a look at him. Emil K. from Port Alberni, British. I believe that is uh, Canada, British Columbia, B.C. That are, you know, before Christ. Either which way. Emil, going to sum it up right here. I find that SoCal tracks work the best, and I concentrate the bulk of my wagering on them. I believe it's due to the consistency of the synthetic surface. Some people love it. And the upkeep of the turf courses, he's been averaging about 65%. Wow, that's incredible. On his investment since going with the service, and he would gladly recommend to anyone who asks, he says, keep up the good work. Happy subscriber. Thanks, Emil. British Columbia. Ryan A., Lexington, Kentucky. Nails pick three late. Says, sounds like an awesome solution to betting any time, but not just for the breeding bankroll. He's going to do this for the coming races where he lives. He hit the late pick three for 823. So with us guys today, if you logged in earlier, at work. I love it when you get it at work. There you go. Just don't let the boss see it. To get the pick six and no one hit, oh, he said it was forty grand that day. Ouch. 
he was going to jump on. One more NES from Massapequa, New York. You did it again. I used your tip sheet for the super high five at Oak Tree. Wow. I cannot believe it. 1474.60. She was almost out of money, but not anymore. These are some of the testimonials. You can read them till actually go hoarse in the voice. But you get a good-looking hat and a shirt from Winning Ponies just for letting us know what is happening with you. The data we use is up-to-date. It's easy to use and, more importantly, affordable. Handy icons. Kind of remind you. I'd love to be reminded because that is where I look back and I find out that I dropped the ball the most. Decent handicapper just like you. But the handy icons remind me. The tier levels. When I say tier levels, you're going to take a look. They break them down. They're color-coded. Tier 1, Tier 2, Tier 3, Tier 4. Necessarily, you don't have to take all Tier 1. Mix them up a bit. Mix, match. Take a look at the horses. They get full, comprehensive PPs, just like you would find in the form program or any other data that you would actually follow as far as the past performances. Take a look at the Tier levels. You're going to find prices on the top, the middle, the bottom. You're not all 2 to 5 on the top. I love that, too. My favorite. I was going to say we'd have it in New York, but actually they've canceled for tomorrow already. The change of weather tab, love that. Mother Nature deals off the bottom of the deck. You can as well. Just change out the weather tab there. Remember, you only pay for the races that you use. Say you, you come home a little late for work, ah, races 4 through 10 are going on, say Sam Houston. You only get charged for those races. It's 75 cents a race. Some services, they charge you for the entire day. Who knows what they'll charge you for? but we only charge you for each race that you use for the remainder, the 4 through 10. That's just an example. You could take the whole card. You could take 8, 9, and 10. It's up to you. It's only 75 cents a race. Speed ratings for the current race, the last three races, and turf ratings. I do like that. That's pretty cool. Testimonials, blogs, stories, free selections. You'll see myself, Greg Milikoff. You'll see some of the AP stuff out there. And the big in history shows how we've been doing. The exact total, over 1.1 and growing. That's in millions and growing. Check it out, www.winningponies.com. Don't take my word for it. Check it out for yourself. You can only just say, hey, it's not for me. But I don't think that's going to be the case. What's happening tonight? We're going to have a recap of last week's races. There's a bunch of them. This week's special guest, Red Hot Rider, leading the nation in wins, second in earnings as of right now, Mr. Ramon Dominguez. Hope he's not snowed in in New York. I'm sure he is. He's got tomorrow off, and that's a good thing. News and racing. There's always plenty of news and racing. Then we do some final furlong handicapping with yours truly, where we dig down and we try to find some winners. Can't wait. Ramon Dominguez going to be calling in. We're going to have him in the house. This is going to be great. Kind of looking forward to it. Spoke to the gentleman, and he is just that. Spoke to his agent. He is a gentleman. No wonder they have such a powerful operation. Dominguez, the man. Let's take a look at last week, Aqueduct, race number four, February 20th. The rare treat. Winner goes to the two, Life at 10. Richard Migliore, the Migman in the Irons, wins by five and a quarter lengths, drawing off under urging Todd Pletcher. Hmm. We're hearing this name over and over. Aqueduct Race 9. The Titchen Princess Stakes. A mile and the 16th on the inner track. 
Winner is the two almighty silver Jose Espinoza, and the Irons wins by a dirty head. In traffic and just up at the wire, paying 9 10 to win for a Parlino Ortiz. Race number seven, Fairgrounds, the, the big easy. The Colonel Power Stakes, five and a half on the turf. Winner, the two, Chamberlain Bridge. Jamie Terrio, all my friends call him Jamie the Riot. Wins by three parts of a length last away, three wide. Prevail paying four bucks for Brett Calhoun. And I see by computer we have Mr. Dominguez online. We're going to be getting to him here shortly. You're definitely not going to want to miss that. I'm looking forward to it. I'm definitely a big fan. I know you are as well. Eighth race at Fairgrounds. The Silver Bullet Stakes, a grade three, a mile and 16th on the dirt. Winner to the seven, Jody Slew, Miguel Mena. Welcome back, Miguel. I love this guy. He can just flat out horseback. Four wide rallies, 18 bucks for Brett Calhoun having a big day. Ninth at Fairgrounds, the Fairgrounds Handicap, a grade three. Winner is the four, Blue Street, Javier Castellano. Love the way this guy horsebacks. Two and a quarter lengths, paying 580 for Todd Pletcher again. Race number nine of Fairgrounds, the Fairgrounds Handicap. We already covered that one. How about race 10, the Risen Star? Goes to the four discreetly mine, Javier Castellano, big day. Repulse the bed, steady urging, $7. Todd Pletcher again. Hmm. Starting to see a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a habit there. This guy can fly out train. Fairgrounds, race 11, the Mineshaft, grade 3, mile and 16th on the dirt. Winner is the 4, Stonehouse. Miguel Mena, my man, Miguel. 16.81. Wow, three wide, bid edged. Prevail, paying 35.60 for Joseph Broussard. Eighth at Gulfstream, the Hutchinson. Winner is the 7, to Funny Bone, Edgar Prado. Another fine rangeman, wins by a length, three wide move on the turd. Clear for Dick Dutro. Then we go to. The Canadian Turf at Gulfstream, race number nine, the seven. Courageous Cat with Garrett, go, go, Gomez. Winning by a dirty head. Bid at the quarter pole, game effort, 380 for Billy Mott. Gulfstream, the Fountain of Youth, the eight, Escondera, Johnny Velasquez. Great product of New York, and anywhere he rides, he's tough. Eight and a half length winner taking charge for Todd Pletcher again. Gulfstream Park, race 11, the Honey Fox, a grade three. Mile on the turf, winner is the 14. Wasted years, Cornelio Velasquez by a half a length, set the pace tired. And just holds on 2160 for Bart Evans. Liking that, I'm telling you what, especially Pletcher, how hot is he? Oakland Park, race nine, the Spring Fever, the winner in the four. One smoking lady, Corey, the jockey Nakatani. Wins by four and a half lengths. He, I think he's found a new home at Oakland Park, and I, I'll tell you what, he torqued. California. What is he doing in Hot Springs? Wow, is he doing great. Dueled and drew off for 460 for Timothy Ritchie. Very nice trainer. Oakland Park, the Southwest Stakes, a grade three. Winner of the nine conveyance. Martin Garcia swings in from California, teaches him a lesson. Paying 560 to win for Bullet Bob Baffert. Santa Anita, race number nine, the San Carlos. Bob Blackjack, David Flores between the ears, winning by two and a quarter lengths. Paying 1020 for James Kasparov. Tampa Bay Downs, the Tampa Bay Stakes. I know Mr. Dominguez is not going to want to hear it. Carillion, Rosemary Homeister hangs on by a dirty nose and edges out Gio Fonte with our man, Mr. Ramon Dominguez. For Mr. George Arnold, a very, very fine horseman indeed. But we're going to talk about that more here coming up. Well, it's time to head out to a break, and when we return, we're going to be chatting with Red Hot Rider leading the nation in wins, Mr. Ramon Dominguez here on Winning Ponies. 
And I buy the bar double round the crown And everybody's getting down in this town Ain't never gonna be the same Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of Horse Stradamus, handicapper extraordinaire with the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Do you need directions to solve financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. to the pros we we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, Ed Meyer. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with Ed or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to ed at winningponies.com. Now back to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. And welcome back once again to Winning Ponies. I'm Ed Meyer, and thank you. For joining us, taking your time out of your schedule to be with us. This is our second segment, and Winning Ponies is very honored and very pleased to have on as our special guest of the week, Red Hot Rider and leading the nation to date in wins, Mr. Ramon Dominguez. Good evening, Ramon. Good evening, Eric. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. How are you doing with the snow up there? Good, good. It wasn't a bad day. Um, it started snowing pretty late in the day, uh, around the eighth race, so... We were lucky as far as that goes. It was mainly raining. It was going back and forth between raining and snow, but it wasn't accumulating until late into the day. I was watching. So, so you took down two today, so which is pretty impressive. But it was sloppy, sealed. I mean, 
what was it is like usually sloppy sealed which uh, overall i usually play speed on those days in new york but i mean the track plane overall i mean did did you find it to be dangerous or was it just sloppy sealed oh uh, it was sloppy just sloppy sealed and it was uh, actually in very good condition um they they do a very good work here very good job um, maintaining the track and this morning i guess just foreseeing that that it was going to be the way it was as far as with the precipitation, they um, decided not to train on it, which it was smart. They just kept it back down, and um, and I think that helped a lot. And and the other factor was that the snow didn't come into the picture until late into the car, which um, that that would have been really difficult to to get a, the whole car if it was snow versus rain, just because they cannot get rid of it as, as cool as they do with the rain. You know, I've worked in Kentucky and Ohio, and whenever we had problems, we used to consult with a gentleman by the name of Joe King, and uh, he took care of a lot of the New York tracks, and uh, we have a, a lot of freeze thaw in this area, and uh, he always used to do a spectacular job, and New York does a, a tremendous job of keeping their ovals, you know, very safe, and, uh, and you're right, it's... Uh, even on a day like today, as I was watching, the snowflakes looked as big as softballs. But I often wondered, you guys are really brave for being out there. Ramon, I have to ask you, a young, more, young man born in Caracas, Venezuela, how did you find your way into the saddle? Well, um, I, ever since I went to the racetrack for the first time with my dad, um, he used to work, um, he had like an off-track bedding facility, and he had to take the the machine that people used to bet, the pick six was a big game back back then. Um, and he had to take on the weekends the machine physically to the racetrack. And I was probably, I don't know, 12, 13 years old when I went to and watched a live race for the first time. And ever since, I just fell in love with the game. And I really knew right at that, at that moment that I wanted to be a jockey. And uh, a few years went by, and I was probably 15 or 16, and um, I kept telling my dad I wanted to be a jockey. And he probably thought it was something just in the heat of the moment that I was just thinking about it. And uh, when he realized that I, that's what I wanted to do, he wasn't too happy about it at first. So I joined a riding school, um, just like show jumping, and I did that for like a year. And I learned a lot, but I soon after that, I found out that there was a training center with throwbacks, and I skipped going there, and I started going to the other place, and then my dad found out, and he was very supportive. And so that was how I started back home and riding then I went to like a push track and I rode there for a few months and um, then I was able to get a license in, on the national tracks and I rode there for almost a year before I moved to the U.S. in 1996 and I was in Florida for like a year and a half. You know, I, I, when I see you in the saddle, now I'm going to guess if I have it wrong, please correct me. Are you about 5'6"? Uh, that's exactly what I am, yeah, 5'6", yep. Five six. I mean, you, you, when you said you wanted to be a rider, a jockey, do you have trouble with your weight, or, or is it pretty natural for you? You know, I'm very fortunate. Um, I mean, I don't know if it is that I'm not as big. I mean, muscle-wise, as some of the shorter guys. Uh, on the other hand, I do try to watch what I eat and try to eat pretty healthy. And um, I got a little concerned when I first started um, really getting into this because I felt like I was very short and overnight I grew and, and got a lot taller. Um, but I feel like if you really dedicate it, um, I mean, obviously being tall is a factor just because the taller you are, the, the heavier you're going to be. But um, if I can do it, I mean, 
really most of the guys can do it as well. I mean, of course, it takes a little sacrifice, and especially in the winter, you don't sweat as much outside because it's so cold, and you tend to gain a few pounds. But um, it's really dedication is the key in this. You know, you began at beautiful Hialeah Park, and boy, is that place beautiful or what? Beautiful, one of the most beautiful tracks, definitely. Oh, it really, in 1996, and it wasn't long after that. In, in 2001, you were the winningest jockey in the United States. Did you ever envision that much success that quickly for yourself? No, I mean, I always uh, thought of big things, and, and when I look uh, years ahead, I, I always had a lot of faith in myself. And But I guess that's the case with most guys, even the ones that haven't got a chance. And, uh on one hand, you you aim high, and on the other hand, you are realistic and you realize that things don't have to come your way because there are so many riders competing for the same spot. And uh, certainly when in 2001 I was able to, to hit the nation by wins, it was something that I wasn't prepared for, and I, I wasn't really, um, I guess, especially when you do the first time, and, and it's something that is kind of snowballs, you don't really expect it, and, um, and I was very, very excited about that. I thought it was a big accomplishment, and I, I felt very happy about that. And, um, I mean, my agent, ever since I started working with Steve Roach, and, uh, we have been able to win races a bunch, and, and that's definitely a determining factor on my career ever since I started working with Steve. Well, you were down there tying up with uh, many, many wonderful riders, and they always found themselves in beautiful uh, Florida, Hialeah, Gulfstream, uh, Tampa Bay. Wherever you ride, there's always a there's always a great colony. And uh, I, you know, I was reading something on you, and it said that you began at age 16 in Venezuela, despite the strong disapproval of your father, who wanted you to become a. Well, he he's, actually it was a brief conversation when he was really mad in the moment and I told him that I wanted to be a jockey and that's when he came to realize this is what I really wanted to do and I remember clearly him saying you should just go to school and be a doctor or something like that and I'm like oh, <laughs> being a doctor that's for sure I'll tell you what when I read that it, it kind of made me chuckle that not that it that is like wow a, 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 you are a doctor per se you're you're a doctor on the back of a, a of a of a fantastic thoroughbred animal and quite the athlete at that and you know you made your father a promise there about being very supportive uh, but you had to go back and finish high school yes uh, that was kind of the deal at the moment they say well okay I mean I, I guess at that point they realized that they really had not much choice. Uh, they saw how committed I was about doing this, and they said, well, at least you had to finish high school. I, I don't know if in the moment uh, that was something that they said because they really wanted to see me finish at least high school, or it was kind of to buy themselves more time and see if uh, the idea or, or the fever that I was running through uh, of being a jockey in the moment uh, will wear out, but that wasn't the case. I finished high school, and uh, I continue my pursuit of being a jockey. Uh, as a man of your word, and for the many people out there that, uh, you know, you, you know the value of an education coming from Venezuela and the United States, it's tough enough being a rider and, and applying your trade there, but actually I, I don't think it's ever uh, a disservice not to finish school, but uh, congratulations on that and in your, in your smooth transition. In 2004, 
you know, which I remember this like it was yesterday, you're awarded the prestigious Isaac Murphy Award for the highest winning percentage. What did that mean to you, the, high, the Isaac Murphy Award? Well, that meant a lot, um, especially, I mean, that, that award has been presented basically to, I think, Russell Bates every year since and, and after he won it as well. And uh, it, it was very exciting, I and mean, it really... Once again, I, I especially on this, I had to make a big emphasis on on the work that, that Steve Rushing does, and um, winning that award is it was basically a reflection of the kind of opportunity that I was getting, the kind of horse that I was getting on, because it wasn't raw wins, it wasn't no, oh, I won X amount of races in the year, it was also um, a big percentage, and it meant that I was riding light horses more often than not, and it was. It was really, I felt like it was a big achievement, definitely. When you when you make a, an achievement like that and you receive an award, I, I can't say it, uh, you know, you, you've got the game under wraps, but you're definitely heading in the right direction when you're being noticed by your peers and the media and, and the people that matter the most. In the saddle, Ramon, you, you have many, many wonderful horses, but who was your first big-time mount that really, you know, kicked your business rolling? Well, I mean, it's hard to tell. Uh, I feel like the, the biggest opportunity as far as riding quality horses came from uh, Grand Motion when I was in Delaware in Maryland. Uh, he certainly had a very good outfit at the time, and I mean, it's always, and, and he had a good group of quality horses. That I feel like in the moment I really wasn't up to riding this kind of horses, or at least I didn't have the exposure. And uh, he, without hesitation, believing me and... Uh, supporting me from day one, and really any time that he had a chance to put me on one of his good horses, I mean, counting Broken Vow and several other ones, he didn't hesitate. And uh, uh, probably the biggest uh, the biggest chance really came in 2004 when, when I uh, was riding Better Talk Now and I was able to win the, great, the, the, the short dancer, and, uh, and shortly after that we... We won the Breeders' Cup on him. So Ramosin really was a big supporter from day one. I, I have to say, when, when I keep looking at 2004 with Better Talk now, to me it just it just seems like yesterday because I can actually see you doing it, and it happens. But, I mean, I know that's, that's in every sport out there that uh, with every athlete, you know, you can always see them in action. And when, I can always tell when you're aboard a horse the way you sit. And, and, I, and that's when I alluded to uh, being, I'm guessing, about five foot six when, you, when you're in the saddle. You don't ride way up high for, for a rather, you know, lengthy in leg. I mean, you really ride so smooth, and, and when you're coming down the lane, it, it, it's so exciting because, I mean, you really don't have to, you know, go to the whip in, 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 a, in a rough way. The encourager in your hand actually gets the most out of your mount. You really ride, a, it, to me, it looks like you ride a lot with your hands, and you get a little bit out of the stick, and they look like that means business when you go to the whip. Yeah, of course, I mean, I can't take you so much credit for, uh, being able to get run out of horses without getting after them, uh, that is in big part because I'm riding a lot of light horses. Uh, that's not the case when I'm riding horses that don't have as big of a chance. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes you have to get after them earlier than you want to. And uh, in the last few years, um, of course, uh, the more you win, the, the, the level of confidence goes up, and, and that's something that definitely contributes to, to you 
being able to really finesse the horses and not having to get after them as much as um, some other guys. And, and that's something that, that I really like. Um, I love the artistic part of the job where you really, versus the belief of most people, that you have to really get after a horse a lot to get the most run out of them. Um, you do realize, and after a little experience, that, that you can get a lot of run, run out of them when, when they're fit and when they're capable in, in, a, in a good spot without really having to to go to to the stick or, or to really even go after the handwriting as as, as as some of the people do. You know, when when I watch you ride, actually, it, it I mean, this may sound silly to many, but it almost actually looks like you're communicating with your hands that you can actually feel what your mount is doing and conveying to you. There are certain riders that they, they just go, they, they, they hop on, and, and they hold on for dear mercy, and there's others, like you said, that depend too much on the, on the stick. I think yours is more just pay attention, we're going to do this, and we're going to be doing that, we're going to be, you know, a little bit, just a little bit more, and it doesn't look like there's, a, there's an over-aggressiveness, but I've noticed it's, it's almost like a symphony when you actually see a conductor actually working in harmony, and there's a great communication between you and the horse, and, and I, as, a, as a fan, I, I thoroughly enjoy that. It, Ramon, th- this past Breeders' Cup, th- that was a great, a, a great example. It, you were aboard Gio Ponte in the Breeders' Cup Classic. To me and to so many, you really looked like you were going right down the lane to the winner's circle. What were your feelings when you look over and see Zenyatta rolling five to six wide at you? Uh, I, was, I was heartbroken. To say the least, um, up to that point, I just was having a wonderful trip and things were working out great. I was sitting on a ton of horse. My horse responded excellent throughout the whole race. And when I was able to split horses, I really felt like the race was over. I said, we're going to win this one. My horse gave me a great finish, great response. And when I look over and I see Senyata going by me, I said, you got to be kidding me. I mean, that's <laughs> definitely what I kept mind, yeah. I said, I'm getting the trip on my life here with this uh, wonderful animal, and here comes this freaky filly going by me. And I mean, after the fact, um, it was one of those things where, um, I mean, I felt like we had a, a great run, and uh, I was very proud of the way my horse ran. Um, but on the other hand, I mean, you always, you always disappointed that, that it came so close, especially when you fell at one point late in the race uh, that you had the race won. But um, hopefully we, we can rebound in the next races to come. Well, it, mo- most, most definitely, it really, it, to, the, to the fans and the fans' perspective, it looked like you had the race won. But, you know, when you, when you talk about Zenyatta, she's one of the most marvelous uh, ladies in the game that, that I've ever seen grace the, uh, the Oval. Uh, it, it had to be a bit disappointing, but then to know that, you know, you face the likes of Zenyatta, it just wasn't a 99-1 a to lucky shot. You actually were facing just a, a, a female lightning bolt that was coming. But I saw you ride, and I was very excited. But speaking of Giopani, last Saturday in Tampa Bay, in the Tampa Bay Downstakes, a mile 16th on the turf, you looked a little fractious in the gate. I mean, I could be wrong. It's just a little bit fractious. You made a super winner's move down the lane and came up just a nose short to Carillion. Did you get positive signals from Giopani from this race back? Yes. Um, the, the incident in the gate, uh, he has never done that before, and it's really not something uh, that you will really be worried about. The horse had a layoff, and then he had a break, and 
a lot of times when they come back, um, regardless of how many times they have run in the past, they can also feel a little, a little anxiety, and then they can be they, they know what they're up to and, and what is coming next. So maybe he got just a little excited. Um, I wasn't too concerned about that. You know, I was glad that the was fine. And um, as far as the race um, when uh, I unfortunately the, uh, that's one of the concerns I have before the race, the local speed in the race. Uh, obviously, his best races have been coming from off the pace, and I was a little concerned about the local pace. And then the horse in front is a pretty good horse and was able to get to the lead with very, very slow fractions. And I was forced to to chase him um, from a little closer target that, that, that I wanted to. And um, I was pleased with the kind of run that my horse pulled, of course, uh, disappointed, especially when he was the heavy favorite and, and I know how good of a horse he is. But overall, when you, after the Things are done, and, and you're able to look back. Um, uh, hopefully, we accomplish Christoph's um, mission, which was to get a race under him, and and we can have a strong horse in another four weeks. You know, as from a fan's perspective, once again, and I keep alluding to that, uh, I don't look at myself as just working in the industry. I'm uh, first off, I started as a fan. I work in the industry, and I'm still a fan at heart, and I love. Watching, uh, watching the the better horses do do battle as well as I do the claiming in all the ranks. But Rosemary Homeister rode Carillion very well, and and she hung on so game. And I have to say, she had to be intimidated when she heard footsteps right to her uh, to her outside. And uh, you know, I love it when I actually see you shipping down because I know you're there for a bit of a for a bit of a you know a run, and you're you're going to be uh, you're going to be giving it all their money's worth. Yeah, I got well. Yeah, Rosemary is a very good rider, and uh, she knew she had some horse left. Um, although she was kind of going with her horse you know, and riding before she got to the turn, He's, you can tell her horse has years forward, and he was kind of waiting for company, which I was looking at him when we got around the half a mile, and I, I knew that he was going to have something to finish with. Um, like I said, I mean, hopefully this race, its purpose, and... and, and the horse will get a lot of fitness out of it, and in another four weeks, he um, can go and get a big one. Well, we've got our fingers crossed for you there uh, with Gio Ponte. No matter what happens, it was uh, super, super exciting. Wednesday, the 17th of February, 2010, was a huge day for you, Ramon Dominguez, personally, at the Big A. What happens on uh, Wednesday, the 17th for you? Well, I believe that was the day that I was able to win the first five races on the card. And, oh, um, incredible. Yes, it was one of those days where it's most days I picked up the racing form and I was riding a bunch of favorites and a lot of horses with good chance. But, of course, you don't really always know how the races are going to develop and how things will um, will fall into place. And um um, after I won the first race, and which I believe was my longest shot out of the five, first one that I was riding, and uh, the second race came, and then the third one, and then after the third one, I was like, wow, I mean, I had two good chances coming on, and that would be great if I... But uh, I really didn't think too much about it. I just was taking it kind of race by race, and after all five races, I was like, wow, that, that, that was exciting, and... Uh, Unfortunately, I drew a scratch in the sixth race, which 
which was a heavy favor that looking paper like he had a very good chance to win. But uh, let's let's not to get too too ambitious here. To uh, overall, it was a great day, definitely. When you had the first five under your belt, you I, I mean, the, my phone was ringing to work like crazy. It was say, you know, have you seen Dominguez? I mean, he's on fire. I said, of course I'm watching. I watch the New York Signal religiously. It's my favorite signal, that, and I watch the, the turf racing and Gulfstream, and, and I kind of flip between the, the two, and I said, of course I've seen it. And I said, you know, he's got a shot at actually sweeping and maybe maybe possibly seven wins. Yeah, I, I like my other two months as well, but... Of course, um, things didn't go as smooth as the first five. Um, I believe with my sixth one, according to the first turn, I had to check sharply because the field was coming over, and that might have cost me the race. I only got a couple of lanes and a renter in the race. And, and the last race, it was kind of comical, actually. It was um, my horse um, broke pretty awkward, and somebody else's horse um left the gate without the rider and this horse it almost looked like it was going after me. It was just taking me out and whenever I went inside it was coming in and uh but that, that's the way it goes and after the day was always uh, of course I wasn't focusing too much on the two that could have been and and it didn't happen. I was just happy that I had a great day overall winning the five races. Well, once again, from a fan's perspective, you gave a lot of excitement. They say they come in bunches, and actually in that day they did. You've had four winners three times that I know of, November 4th and 09, February 7th and 09, and on January 19th and 07 you had four wins. They do come in bunches, and for riders that, uh, that really give their all on every time, it's, it's a very, very much a possibility. Ramon, you, real quickly, you were aboard a very nice runner, Winslow Homer, to win the Holy Bull at grade three, only to be sidelined with a stress fracture uh, and taken off the derby trail. That, that, that had to be a sad moment for you. Yeah, it was disappointing. Um, obviously, this time of the year, I mean, all riders are focusing on, on their best three-year-olds, and I was very excited about him, especially after that race where he showed a different aspect, a different, I mean, he, he showed that he's a versatile horse. He had won two previous races from wire to wire, and uh, this time he was able to come from off the pace, splitting horses, doing it the right way. I was very excited about him and um, disappointed, of course, when I hear the news that the horse was sidelined, but really... Um, not too. I didn't make too much emphasis, or I, I wasn't too too disappointed about it. Just because um, I had seen it many times, and sometimes these kind of things can be a blessing in disguise. Um, horse might get need a rest and come back just as strong as a horse, and later in the year, and um, there are, there will still be a lot of good races for him in the second part of the year. So hopefully, uh, I, I will still be running. Super impressive on Winslow Homer. Uh, actually, uh, you know, I, I, I don't like to talk about the betting aspect of it, but I was actually betting aboard and had all the confidence in the world when I saw you splitting right down the middle there. And uh, owner Rick Porter said 60 to 90 days possibly on the shelf. Do you have any real promising three-year-olds that might come under your saddle? I have written a few and uh, nothing really for certain at this point. We're kind of keeping our options open and, and looking actually for a for a good three year old and those sometimes I mean just when you're not looking they, they they come to you whether a good rider 
had a couple miles, and obviously I can only ride one. And so, um, although the Derby is it's not too far from now, um, still there is ample time for um, some of the three-year-olds to to really run and run good races and qualifying and. and or some of the good riders, like John Velasquez, who rides a lot for pressure. He might have more than one option. So we'll see when it's meant to happen, and hopefully a good one will come our way. I, I agree completely. And with Mr. Steve Rushing in your corner, your agent, I think you guys make a wonderful, uh, wonderful partnership. And, uh, you know, the harder you work, the luckier you're going to get. And uh, keeping your options open and your optimism rolling, I think uh, if there's an opportunity, uh, if you're given the opportunity, you'll make the best of it, no matter if something appears or if it's down the road or whatever have you. Ramon, I, I'll ask you a final question here. There's plenty of riders who hang on every word of successful veteran riders, and I'm considering you in that category, of course. What words of advice would you give an upcoming apprentice or a rider that's on the rise? I believe that it's very, very important for them to believe in themselves. You know, we all have our doubts. I doubt myself on a daily basis after I don't succeed or after I make a mistake, and uh, that's probably one of the things that enables you to to go forward and, and improve yourself and grow as, a, as an athlete. But um, you, you have to believe on yourself. And uh, even in the moments when you doubt yourself, I always find um, that, that you, do you are what you got and, and, and you cannot be living up to somebody else's expectations because that you're going to be a failure when you where you're looking for a compliment or looking for somebody to tell you how good or how bad you are. So I find that at least with me has worked. I believe that I can do it, and if the opportunity is given to me, I hope to produce the result that people look for. Ramon, I'll tell you what, it, it, I've taken you quite a long ways, and I apologize for going over it. It's just been a pleasure. On behalf of Winning Ponies, uh, we'd like to thank you for taking time out of your very busy schedule and digging your way out of the snow. But uh, you do have tomorrow off, hopefully, and uh, that you won't be uh, doing too much work. And we would like to wish you the best and yours, you and your family, the best on and off the track. And we'll definitely be looking for you in the Winter Circle, my friend. Thank you, Ramon. Thank you very much. Uh, the pleasure is mine. And uh, look forward to having a great time with you guys. Uh, the interview was very, very nice. Well, thank you so much, sir, and we look forward to you and Mr. Rushing possibly on the first Saturday of May. Have a good trip, Mr. Dominguez. Thanks again. Thank you. That's been Ramon Dominguez joining us here, and I'll tell you what, what a gentleman. I, I mean, he, he was very thorough. He was right there, and, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just kind of... Uh, Kind of a shell shocked here. I mean, that you know, I learned so much about a gentleman I've actually watched ride. To me, it's actually a whole lot of fun to uh, to get to know people, to to hear their story, and to hear the human interest side of things. And uh, to me, that's that's really what it's all about. Uh, and you know, you, you you think you know a bit about them, you read about them in the form, you read about uh, you read about what what they're what they're doing, how they're playing their trade, and, and you start. Uh, start to you know just assume but actually when you actually have them on for that amount of time you get to know them and Ramon Dominguez uh, just another nice guy in racing I I say it week in and week out because actually haven't had any very bad people and really no pe no bad people at all because there's there's just so many wonderful people in the game 
Got some news in racing. Looks like we're going to take it all the way out to 57. And uh, Mr. Dominguez was uh, kind enough to uh, to go overboard with us here. So I'm just going to run you down the news, and I'm going to shoot you a couple wonderful uh, little excerpts that I've been reading about here and uh, maybe give you a little something to think about here. Okay, in the news, Ernie Paragallo trial to begin Tuesday. Ernie Paragallo will face animal cruelty charges at a trial scheduled to begin. He's going to face 35 misdemeanor animal cruelty charges in Greene County Court in Catskill, New York. According to Greene County District Attorney Terry Wilhelm, Paragallo has waived a jury trial and will plead his case directly to Judge George Palmer, Jr. Paragallo could face up to one year in jail and $1,000 for each count. That is incredible. Because I would just say, throw the book at him as hard as you can throw. In 2009, Paragallo's Centerbrook Farm was raided, and 177 allegedly neglected thoroughbreds were seized. And I say allegedly neglected because he has not been convicted. And Paragallo has been stripped of his racing privileges in the New York area by the New York Racing Association and the New York State Racing Wagering Board. The Jockey Club could effectively remove Paragallo from racing by denying privileges to American Studbook if he's found guilty of any of the charges. Wow. I'll tell you what. I mean, I'm not a big fan of, you know, just throw the book at somebody for the heck of it. But if you actually think about it, what do you actually throw the book at people for? And who better than? Derby Watch here. And I was looking at this, and this comes from sponsored by the Twin Spires, and it's for daily racing form. And this is the Derby Watch here. Looking at Lucky right now, Mike Watchmaker, he, he's been a great odds maker, and he really, uh, really has him zeroed in. Looking at Lucky by Smart Strike, uh, he has him at 4-1. to one. In pool number one, he's actually 8-1 to one for Bob Baffert. Buddy Saint, Watchmaker has him at 6. All good handicappers make their own betting line. Pool number one has him at 10. Super Saver, Watchmaker 12-1. to one. Pool one twenty to one. Escondera fifteen to one for Watchmaker twenty two to one in pool number one. Jackson Ben fifteen to one twenty seven to one in pool number one. Nice. Uh, he thinks a lot of Jackson Ben there. Nobles Promise fifteen to one thirty six to one dismissed greatly by the public in pool number one. Vale of York fifteen to one in Watchmaker's book twenty six to one. Caracortado, which means Scarface. By Cad Dreams, 20 to 1 for Watchmaker, 33 to 1 in pool number 1. We've got Conveyance, 20 to 1 for Watchmaker, 33 to 1 in pool number 1. Dave and Dixie, 20 to 1 in 28 to 1. Dublin, 20 to 1 in 20 to 1. He has it right on target there. Rule, he's got it 20 to 1 in 24 to 1 in pool number 1. Sydney's Candy, 20 to 1 and 3 to 2 as part of the field. All others. A little warm, 30 to 1. He's got it. Now, these are ones that you're going to want to take a look at, as Mike Watchmaker is quite the handicapper. A little warm, 30 to one, three to two in the all others field. American Lion, 30 to one, 41 to one in pool book number one. Drosselmeyer, 30 to one, a little disappointing in uh, Florida there. Drosselmeyer down to 20 to one in pool number one book. Tis Chrome, 30 to one, 37 to one in pool number one. Aikenite, 40 for your one, 54 to one. Dismissed completely in pool number one. So Aikenite, I think, is one 
Yeah, I w- was disappointed in the in the uh, comeback in the Holy Bull, but I think we're going to see some improvement next time. And uh, and what was he doing on the lead anyway? But you're getting 54 to one. Watchmaker says 40 to one. Dry Fly is 40 to one. 46 to one in pool number one. Rounding out the field, Ron the Greek 40 to one. 31 to one in pool one. That is all by White Mike Watchmaker. Quite a handicapper indeed. And uh, you can always pick up his stuff there. National Handicapping Championship Tour to offer a $2 million bonus. The NTRA announced that for the third consecutive year, a $2 million bonus awarded to the DRF, the Daily Racing Forum National Handicapping Championship Tour winner, should he or she go on to win the 12th annual Handicapping Championship next year in January in Las Vegas combined with January's expected NHC grand prize of half a million dollars. This could result... $2.5 million. This is lottery-style money. That's the NTRA. They have opened up their tour again. They are still accepting sign-ups for the 2010 NHC tour. Just go to www.ntra.com to sign up. They have uh, two levels, a $100 level and a $500 level. You can read all of the ins and outs of that. It's always well worth a look. Here's a little note. Calvin Burrell, named the George Wolf Award winner, two-time Derby winning rider Calvin Burrell, selected by a vote of his peers in 2010, winning of the Santa Anita George Wolf Jockey Award. Oh, I love it. Burrell was one of our guests and one of the nicer guys. He's just about as honest as they come. Bo Rails, he's affectionately known due to his propensity to hug the inner rail and route to his heart pounding victories. Outran four other Wolf finalists, Garrett Gomez, Randall Meyer, Galen Mitchell, and Deshaun Parker. All very, very nice riders indeed. Calvin Burrell gave mine that bird a big second career win in his derby, as he also had street sense in 2007 in similar fashion. You know, a little story about Calvin Burrell, which I really liked. The day before the Preakness. Now, he jumps off. He's the only rider in history to jump off the Derby winner to ride a different horse in the Preakness. And, and he's riding a filly. Okay, now that's, that's, that's all fine. That's all fine. It's his, his job. He's not being a media darling. You know what he's doing? He's cutting his grass. They find him in Louisville. He's cutting his grass. Mm, what a guy. Down to earth. I'm going to put this under WTH, and that can stand for what the heck or whatever you want to say. Kentucky Senate President David Williams from Burksville. This guy is against slots in Kentucky. He does not want them. He also warns now that slot machines could diminish horse racing. Now I say WTH this for basically what the hell. He says they could diminish horse racing. All over the country you find the number of day, racing days diminishing and handle diminishing. When people get slot machines, they can supplement the purses. What's he doing? He's, he's contradicting himself. Now here's the best part. Williams says, I've been to casinos in the past, but I'll tell you, it's a failed juncture in my life to connect the unbridled greed these companies have. I'll tell you, it's been a long time since I haven't been to a casino. How long has it been? A year, two years, a couple at least. He doesn't even know. Is that a conscious decision, or what did he do? Did he just not have the opportunity? He says, no, 
I've made a conscious decision. I do not want to contribute money, nor do I want to contribute my stamp of approval to an activity that's been so invasive or destructive unto the body politic. What the hell is going on in the Kentucky Senate? Senate President David Williams. I live in Kentucky. I'm ashamed. I am truly ashamed. Speaking of some good news here, midshipmen. You remember midshipmen, the United Arab Emirates Oaks and Balanchine highlight Thursday's card. Now at the new Maidan race course, the biggest star among the entries is champion midshipmen. The four-year-old Colt by Unbridled Song will try to rebound from a fifth-place finish in the Invasor Shadwell Farm Octum Challenge on January 28th at Maidan. The U.S. champion missed two-year-old male in 2008 after winning the Bessemer Trust Breeders' Cup Juvenile, and then missed last year's Triple Crown races with a soft tissue injury to his left front leg. Midshipman back and in the desert. And I'm hearing, if you are playing Maidan, you are wanting to play closers. It is incredible. The, the speed, it's not that it's just, they're just withering out there. But the stalkers and closers are rolling them down. And you know that they have nothing but the best of the best out there. They have tapita footing. It's a nice surface. It's a very, very nice surface. It's safe. It's synthetic. And I think that it really works out very well. Midshipman back. I liked midshipman. I really had some uh, some strong feelings there uh, for midshipman early on in his career. And real quick here, uh, Bill Shanklin in the horse racing business, racing's popularity in short attention spans. He's been a university professor, and sometimes people ask him how they differ from other times. He said there are serious implications for the old-time sport of racing. If racing is to make inroads with a younger generation, it's going to have to continue to adapt the sport and contemporary lifestyle, which means we're going to have to become more computer savvy, more Facebook, more Twittering, all the stuff that the younger folks are actually doing, and he feels that is where we actually hinge on turning the corner and making it all happen. In a way, I agree. In a way, I don't. But, hey, things do change. Nothing ever stays the same. Well, time flies when you're talking thoroughbred racing. Winning Ponies would definitely like to thank Mr. Ramon Dominguez for being our special guest this week and you for taking time to tune in. So until next week when we meet again, may all of your winners be many and your photos be few. Good night and good luck, everyone. listening to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.